Cezanne Hendricks has been sharing online for more than a decade. She started as a beauty blogger, and now she works with her husband Stevie as content creators and entrepreneurs, and they just released their new book, The Real Good Life. They have three beautiful kids and live in Austin, Texas, but life has not always been easy or gone as planned. In our conversation, Cezanne opens up about her Kurdish culture and what marrying outside of the culture has been like for her and her family. And she shares how they balance their private and public life together with over a million people following them on Instagram. You are going to love getting to know Cezanne, and you'll see why she believes that while not every day is good, there is still good in every day. Do you feel like other moms have life all figured out? Well, as the mother of seven, I can tell you that we are all just doing our best and making it up as we go along. But at least we have each other. I'm Vanessa Quigley, and welcome to the Mom Force Podcast, brought to you by Chatbooks. But first, I wanted to let you in on something else that we talked about called Everyday Magical Moments. What are those, you may ask? Well, uh, perhaps it's a glimpse of your kids connecting during a hectic day. Or maybe it's a little moment outside with your family in this beautiful fall weather. Whatever it might be, those are the moments worth capturing. That doesn't mean you have to interrupt the moment by taking a million photos. But just snap a quick pic on your phone and then... Be sure to put it in your chat books because your kids are going to love looking back at those moments and you will too. I realized that through my 28 years of parenting that it's those everyday moments that are truly magical. And those are the moments that help me remember that I'm doing a good job and that we have built something special in our Quigley family. To help you get started with your own chat books, use the code MOMFORCE for 15% off your order. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Mom Force, Cezanne. I'm so happy that you're here. Yay, Vanessa. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I have loved following you on Instagram, but for anyone who is not following you yet, will you share a little bit about your story? Oh my goodness. Well, thank you first and foremost for having me. I'm such a big fan of yours and everything that you guys are about. So hello to everyone listening. I started this journey as an online influencer about 10 years ago. And so if you go online and you go on Instagram, it's a good place to start. So if you come on Instagram, you're going to just, I think, see everything under there in a nutshell. Um, And I love sharing just the current season of life that I'm in, which is currently all about motherhood, promoting a new book, and also trying to enjoy fall in the heat of Texas, which... (laughs) It's gotten a little cooler. We're in the high 80s now, but I'm ready for like legit fall weather. So I'm just excited to be on here today. And however I can be of service to you guys today, that is just kind of my prayer walking into this is like, how can we encourage the ears that are listening today, especially in the mom life category, which is like, Currently, I'm in the thick of that with three kids. <laughs> yes, it's everything right now. For well, sure. you mentioned you started online 10 years ago as a beauty blogger, and there are so many gorgeous photos of you out there, Cezanne. You are a beautiful woman. Oh, thank um, you. And I know photos have been a huge part of your journey and as you've built your brand and your business. And photos is everything about our business here at Chatbooks. And so I thought maybe a fun way to get to know you a little bit more 
I'm going to ask, is there a photo that you can share with us that captures the everyday magic of your family or maybe has a fun background story to it? Oh my gosh, so many. I'm like, where do I even start with that? For me, I've always been somebody who has loved pictures. I think it's just like something about capturing a moment. The photo that I'm thinking about actually that came to mind first and foremost is actually a photo that we took when we first had my daughter, Valentina. And it really sums up mom life. I mean, I was like laying on the couch in this photo and Stevie and I, my husband are just trying to cuddle and watch a movie. And then we have my daughter on our chest and she is literally trying to escape. And it's like this moment where me and him are like laughing out loud. And then she's like, save me from these two (laughs) evil villains that are trying to eat me up while we're all cuddling on the couch. And it was just this really beautiful, candid moment. And I feel like that kind of just embodies life today. And and, and yeah. if I find a photo of all of us, I probably have one that I just shot, the most recent one, which was a photo of like, we were doing a little um, a campaign job with like a brand, with like a children's brand. And we had to shoot the content and it was like five o'clock, Vanessa. And I was freaking out. I was like, oh my gosh, we're about to lose sunlight. I totally like just, it slipped my mind that we had this deadline. And I was like, how can we knock this out, but also make it a really amazing photo? And it's just funny when I look at the outtakes of these photos, because we got some really beautiful ones. But then when I actually looked at one of all, it was like the whole family. It's like we have Oliver, my little two-month-old. He's like screaming and crying. And then we have Amari like off in her own world, my two-year-old just looking off into the distance. And then we have my other daughter, Valentina, who's five, who just wants to like eat her baby brother. So her bottom Mm. lip is like like clenched, like she's about to attack him with cute aggression. And then there's me with my bold red lip and I'm just kind of looking to camera. And it just, I think it just signifies how we're all a hot mess, you know? Yeah. I love the outtakes is the reality, right? That's what it's all really all about. Totally. Well, there is so much beautiful, amazing content on your website and on your blog. And I loved reading through some of your journal entries, as you call your blog entries. And I loved this comment that you made here. And I'd love to hear more about it. You say when And you're referring to you and your husband, Stevie. When we decided to get married, we faced the biggest challenge of all, breaking cultural barriers and withstanding family disapproval in order to be together. And I can only imagine how tough that might have been. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about that. Yes. So, you know, behind all of these really fun family moments and memories that we share online... There was a once upon a time ago when, you know, my story really started and that was Stevie and I, you know, coming together, right? And becoming one and getting married. It was quite a journey to get to the altar. We went through kind of the hard stuff before we got to the good, right? And Mm so early on when we met in college and started to fall for each other, I knew that it was going to be hard, especially for me, because he was this all-American, blue-eyed, freckly beau. And I was Kurdish-American while trying to navigate my life here, being born and raised in America. I still had one foot back in the homeland, meaning my parents raised us to understand that like, while you're living and breathing in American soil, 
soil, like you still very much have to be rooted in who you are, where you come from. So with that came the pressure and the weight of certain things that we just weren't able to do. Like I wasn't allowed to go to sleepovers and kind of have a lot of those, you know, very innocent, but early memories as a kid. And another Mm -hmm. one of those big things was like, you're not going to be allowed to marry outside of your culture. And that was just kind of like a this is just, it is what it is. And there was not at the time, you know, a lot of women who were very public about it. So if there were Kurdish Americans that were going through similar things, you didn't really hear about it. And they definitely didn't have platforms to express their voices and to share that part of themselves. So fast forward to me falling for Stevie and it just, everything that I did not want to happen happened. Like I fell for this guy and I told him not to fall in love with me. And I just did not want to disappoint my parents because while they had this very like, you know, hard, just you can't marry outside of the culture. I knew that the heart behind it was that my parents didn't want us to forget who we were because the Mm -hmm. Kurdish people, if you're familiar with our people group, like just the blood is so thick, like what the Kurds have gone through to even try to salvage our own land and have a place in this world. It's been very trying and it's been very difficult. And to this day, you're not going to see Kurdistan on the map. I have so many ancestors who have fought for the Kurdish cause. So that comes with it, right? So why my parents were so hard on me and my sisters. So imagine the day I tell them that like, yes, I've met this guy. He's not Kurdish, but he's actually perfect for me. And he's amazing. He's just, I know he's the one. It wasn't easy. And it really did come with like me having to kind of choose him over the family. And that was really, really hard because I love my family and I also love Stevie. And I just was like, why do I have to choose? As a 24-year-old at the time, why am I having to have make this difficult decision? And so that's what had to happen. And that cultural barrier was our families just, my family just did not want to accept it, you know? And so they did not come to my wedding. I had to really prayfully navigate that season of my life Mm -hmm. in a way where I wanted to walk into the freedom of being able to enjoy this life with this beautiful human being that I knew God brought into my life for a reason, while also trying to extend the grace and the compassion towards my parents because I didn't quite understand what they were going through. And Obviously, we can fast forward to the part now in my life where my parents did come around. It took a lot of time. It took a lot of healing. It took a lot of divine interceding that just was not in my control. But looking back now, I wouldn't change it because my family today, I spent most of my life kind of walking around this like expectation of who I was trying to be versus just authentically being who I feel like I was. So when I had to tell them the truth of me dating Stevie and me being with him and then me marrying him, I think it broke those cultural barriers and it finally allowed me to just be real with my parents. And nowadays, like I look back and I'm like, my dad met my first daughter. She was eight months old at the time, the same day that he met my husband for the first time. I mean, talk about it. Whoa, what a day. And it was one of the most beautiful days of my life when he got to have that that reconciliation moment. And I'm never going to like look back on my life and say, wow, I wish I could have done things differently. You know, I would have loved for them to be at my wedding, but it's been amazing to see how 
we had a, our story just had a different route, a different journey that it was going to go on, but it ultimately ended good despite the hard. And it was really all about navigating in those seasons. Like how do you continue to see the good when there's all this hopelessness around you? And I think that's what I learned early on in my relationship with, with Stevie. And now I'm 33, I'm about to be 34 in a few weeks. And I can say that our whole life has just from picture perfect moments to the real stuff yeah. that has gone on offline. That's been, I think, the beauty and what our story has entailed for others is that we've seen through the hardships, we've been able to connect with real people, real women around the world who are going through similar stuff. And I'm just like, I don't want to shy back and and not share those parts of my journey. And that's where I think I've been able to like really go offline and do that through this book that we wrote called mm -hmm. A Real Good Life. Now I'm able to dive deeper with this community. Yeah. So yeah. while it's been all pretty picture perfect, sharing photos online, now I'm able to actually like channel my voice through the pages of a book. And that's been really cool as a creator getting to do that and pour into that. Yeah. So we're a few weeks away from releasing this book and I'm oh, like, ah, so I'm nervous, but we're really excited to see like, what's the next thing in the journey? What's going to happen yeah. next? Well, I can't wait to dig in more to what the real good life it means to you. But I just wanted to point out, you, you talk about how your online community feels like family. I know you refer to some of the women that follow you as aunties, which I think is adorable. <laughs> I'm one of your aunties. Um, but I also love how you said that you have to get through the difficult to really get to the good. And I think that, you know, it's hard to even sometimes realize that you mm -hmm. are in the middle of a good life if you don't have some opposition and some struggle and you have had plenty, which I think helps you appreciate your marriage and, and where you've come. And, you know, connection really happens when we're being authentic about the good and the bad and the easy and the hard. Like it's yeah. all an important part of our story. Something else that I read, on your blog, a big component of living a real good life is celebrating where you come from and remembering those who paved the way for you. I think that is so beautiful. There's like so much we could dig into there about your culture and your background. And although it created a barrier for a while in your relationship and your connection with your family, it's you've come out to this other side of it. Kudos to your parents to being able to, you know, work through, I'm sure, some difficult feelings there. But I'm curious, can you share with us a few ways that you really do celebrate the differences in your background and in your culture? And what are your favorite ways to incorporate your Kurdish culture into your life at home with your kids? Uh, that's such a timely question for me, Vanessa, because I just recently this week, I had this moment where, you know, when you're in the middle of mom life and juggling, because there's no such thing as balanced, when you're mm -hmm. juggling, mm -hmm. you know, between mom life and work life and keeping up with the house, sometimes you forget to just like stop and check in with yourself and your good life, right? And so I had that moment this past week where I sat down and I just asked myself like, let's look at your life as if it's an empty canvas and just say like, what are those things that I need? in my life that would fill me up with joy, that would also bring me purpose. And when I was looking at that, I realized, you know, now that my girls are getting a little older, this is a great time for me to start really bringing in more tradition. I think so far in my life, I've been fortunate because Stevie and I, we still have grandparents alive on both sides and our moms are the ones that are like running it at Thanksgiving and Christmas. So we're able to just kind of bring our kids into those traditions that have already been made. 
What are some new traditions that I can bring into the home? And one of those things for me is a huge part of my culture and my heritage. My kids love my mother and that side of their family. I love when I go to my mom's house. She's that woman who's always in the kitchen and she's always putting together these big table spreads of food. Like it's breakfast and she's got the whole spread down. And I think what my kids love about that is that my mom has just made herself available to her grandkids and she's just there. She's not on her phone. She's not distracted. She's like in the kitchen while they're able to just take over her house and run amok. And I said, like, I want to bring some of that into my own home because while I have had to become super self-disciplined with my work life because I work from home, there's something about that chaos that can be really beautiful. And I'm trying to find comfort in the midst of chaos. And so I said, I'm going to do this thing where every week I'm going to challenge myself to make a Kurdish dish. And these Kurdish dishes are tedious and they are challenging (laughs) because there is not a specific recipe. And when I call my mom and I say, mom, how do I make your famous kube halab, which are these delicious fried rice balls with like minced meat and herbs and oh my gosh, anybody who tries these, they're like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. I'm like, mom, I really want to learn how to make it. Give me the recipe. And she goes, I can't give you the recipe. I eyeball it. And I'm like, but mom. So I'm trying to get on FaceTimes with her every week and just let my kids run amok while I create these dishes for my kids and for my family and for my husband who loves Kurdish food. And so that's currently something that I'm bringing into the home. Another thing is, is I'm little by little trying to teach them words in Kurdish because I do understand my my language fluently, but it's really hard to speak it when, hello, we're a predominantly English household. So I'm trying to do little flashcards with them and just trying to get them to count to 10 when I'm holding my two-year-old's hand and we're going down the stairs. We're counting each step in Kurdish as we go down. And going back to what you said, you know, I think what I'm realizing is a real good life is that I don't need to think about like it being these larger than life things where we think that every expression of love has to be larger than life and Instagram worthy. But what I've found is like on the day-to-day, it's these five-minute detours that we take in our day as women and as moms to go fuel those areas in our life that maybe are hungry or that are calling our name. And we keep just saying like, I'm coming, I'm coming, but then we don't go. And I think those are the simple moments that allow us to have that connection and that joy and that love. And so for me right now with a two and a half year old middle child whose big sister started (laughs) kindergarten and I look at her and I'm like, she's just meandering. And I'm like, let me just stop what I'm doing for five minutes and go enter the world of Amari. What we've been doing is having mornings with Amari where I'll go and I'll follow her around. And today that morning looked like every morning looks different. But today that morning was five minutes of her wanting to go water the plants outside because they were crying. And I said, Mm -hmm. she's like, they're thirsty. And so I'm like, you're actually right. They are looking a little thirsty. In fact, I think some of them are dying out there. So we filled up the biggest cup that we had and I just let her carry it. And while the mom in me is like, don't drop that, be careful. I held back And I just kind of followed her around and I watched her just watering the plants outside, listening to the little wind chimes that we have hanging on our trees, hearing the birds chirping. 
And there's just something that has been very healing and therapeutic for me personally when I go off and do those uncomfortable things that just Mm -hmm. don't feel as natural, believe it or not, in today's world, which is sad. (laughs) Because everything's moving so fast and we've got, you know, to-do lists and we got stuff, you know. Yeah. Stuff to do. You're a busy mom working from home. Yeah, exactly. And that was yeah, just the beauty of today, this morning, five minutes with Amari going into her world. So for anyone listening, I want to encourage you today to like take a five minute detour. And maybe you don't even have kids yet, but you listen to this podcast because you want to just be one step ahead of the game. But like, just go take a five minute detour, go for a walk, go do something that maybe doesn't feel as natural in your routine. And I guarantee you something beautiful is really going to greet you there. So I'm giving you guys the invitation and the permission to go do that because it's really changed my life and I'm finding so much joy in those simple moments. Yeah. I think it's so interesting, like who isn't on a quest for the good life, right? But Mm -hmm. kids so instinctively know what it is and how to find it. My my father-in-law, he actually uses this term, this is the good life. And he usually says that when we're all together as a family, Mm. like skiing or together for dinner. But as I was looking through your manuscript of your book, I I kept having this question in my mind thinking like, what is the good life and how do we find it? And there were so many little nuggets of wisdom that I wanted to share really quickly. First of all, what it isn't, right? The good life is not found in Mm -hmm. our latest purchases, Mm -hmm. achievements, or dream vacation. It's found by intentionally cultivating the simple everyday moments that make up a real good life. It's cherishing the simple things, slowing down, creating moments for connection, joy, and love. And I'm always looking like for the to-do, right? You just gave us a challenge to just, you know, (laughs) detour and do something in the moment. But I love this passage. You say, slow down, trade the endless cycle of striving and competing for real good days filled with purposeful reflection intentional focus, gathering with loved ones, and true rest. Mm -hmm. And I know in a nutshell, that is what you talk about in your book. But I'm specifically thinking about motherhood because, I mean, yes, sometimes our kids force us to slow down. They want to go water the plants. But when you're really in the trenches of motherhood, Mm -hmm. like you are right now with your three little ones, sometimes that's really hard to do because not only are you taking care of the kids, but you've got your business and you've got meals and you've got, you know, household chores and you have a husband. In those days that I remember so clearly when I was a younger mom with younger kids, where it feels like everything's going wrong and the kids are crying and you're starting to lose your patience. Mm. What do you do in that moment to help you see the good? Yeah, that's such a good point. And everything that you were saying, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I want to say something on that and this and that. (laughs) I grew up in in Texas. I did grow up in a household where, you know, I did not grow up having it all. Like, you know, Stevie and I both come from very humble beginnings. We were both poor growing up. Like my parents both had to make ends meet. So when I look back on my life, I have way more memories with my siblings than I did my parents. And not to say that's a bad thing, but because my parents were really trying to survive. And so I remember I grew up in a two bedroom apartment with eight people. And so, I mean, talk about there ain't no privacy yeah. when you're living in that life. and it. But it actually forged this unbreakable bond between my family. And then as I got older and I started to spread my wings and fly through school and college, and then I was like, I want to go to LA and I want to study journalism and I want to go chase that success, right? That idea of this good life. 
I think for me, it was before I had kids, I didn't even think about like what's going to happen when I do have kids. It was just like, that's the next thing I need to do is I need to check off the whole chasing my career, going as hard as I can before I have kids. Because once you have kids, the narrative is, oh, you can't, you know, go as hard and you can't do it all and all of that. So there was that like kind of motivation and that fire kind of getting me to go, go, go in my early twenties. And so I did all those things and I moved out to LA and I had my first daughter in LA unexpectedly. We weren't planning it, but like we had her. And that was when I was really cornered with reality. And when I realized that while my lifestyle was all about the travels and building these businesses, and I was getting to do all these crazy opportunities and go to these events, and I was starting to see success in my bank account and buy my first home, something was just not adding up. I did not feel like fulfilled in a sense. It's like, oh wait, you get to these mountaintop moments that everybody talks about, like in the Kanye West song of a good life, like welcome to the good life. But when I got there, I didn't feel like I arrived. And in fact, I felt really unsatisfied. And I said, well, why do I feel this way? And Stevie and I both really wrestled with that. And when we had this beautiful blessing, that was our daughter, it really felt like that gift from above that was going to really open our eyes to see and our ears to hear about what's really important in life. Mm. And so we really kind of had to take a step back and say, what in the world are we doing here? And that's when we ultimately, a series of events happened that made us open our eyes and really understand the strength that comes from surrendering, like actually having to lay down the things that you've worked hard for and the dreams that you really find to be important to you, you lay them down and you're like, I really have to surrender. So I had to find strength in surrendering. And that's what Valentina really did for me. I think she was that blessing in disguise. And then we moved out of LA right before the pandemic. And it was, again, the perfect timing because we were able to come back to Texas, still not knowing what the heck we're doing, but to be able to lean into the season for what it was. And I think what I have learned is that the good life is not about just laying down your dreams and not having any passions and things to fuel for yourself. Because I feel like that is just very important. We have gifts and we have talents that should not go to waste. Despite having families that were growing, I think what we have to realize is like redefining success. Success to me is not just hitting a certain number in my bank account or, you know, buying the next best thing or chasing the next best thing. Success is also cultivating a home and a life with my kids in the midst of chasing those things as well. So I think what I've learned is that there's going to be days in mom life where unfortunately I have a million things on my to-do list and I didn't get around to it. But what can I do with this one day that's going to add to what I believe is the fabric of a good life and each day builds up, right? And it becomes part of your good life. Truth is, Stevie and I, we want to see people in our generation winning. We want to see people love having a family and and have, you know, kind of rewriting the narrative that, you know, a family shouldn't feel like overwhelming while you're chasing these God-given passions and dreams, but the two can go alongside each other. And for you, it's going to look different than my good life. But what I hope that people understand is that you have these beautiful moments in the day that are right there. I believe we have these gifts in front of us that we can unwrap throughout our chaotic days. 
Don't let those things pass you by. Don't get so lost in the FOMO of what everybody else is doing and the fear of missing out on what everybody else is doing that you're missing out on your good life that you actually have right in front of you despite the challenges. Like I have chaotic days. I had one this morning in the midst of me and Amari watering the plants. I didn't tell you guys the three meltdowns that we had to get to that moment. And that's what happens. My daughter this morning for kindergarten, she didn't want to wear a specific skirt because she's like, that's not the skirt that I like. It doesn't fit me. And at 6.30 a.m., I'm just like, God, give me grace because I need it today. And I think it's just important to know that like everybody is living a real good life when you have those struggles Mm -hmm. and those obstacles. So just lean into it and know that you're watering a seed every day and it's not going to be perfect. And I think that's what makes life beautiful are these hard moments. Because when you look back one day, you're not going to say, wow, I regret having kids. Yeah, Probably going to look back and say, man, I should have had more, you know? I love that you, just now clicking to me, the title of your book is A Real Good Life. And I think I initially thought it was like, better than good. It's really good. But (laughs) real means it's those hard moments. It's the tantrums. It's the breakdowns, you know, that are going to happen along the way. And so maybe one of the ways to navigate the hard parts of motherhood is just expect them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is just part of the life that we've signed up for or, you know, that, that we take on when we become parents. But looking for the everyday magic, that's how we refer to it at chapbooks. You know, there are like big milestone moments that we tend to capture and celebrate graduations, championship tennis matches or whatever those big things in life. But there's so many everyday magical moments that without eyes to see, just get lost in the chaos. Mm. That's just natural, (laughs) natural part of family life. But expect that and then just be looking for those moments, celebrate those moments. That's such a great reminder. I know faith is a big driving force in your life. And one of the things I've heard you say is you can't spell good without (laughs) God. And I love that so much. But so often in this world that we're living in right now, it can be scary to talk about faith and religion. Mm -hmm. And with it, the platform that you have with over a million followers, you're not afraid to talk about the role that plays in your life. Can you just tell us a little bit about what motivates you to share that part of yourself? Totally. You know, for me, my faith, it's very relational. I think today what we see and what we hear is like, you know, faith is sort of attached and put into um, a religion category or uh, the box of religion. And what I would love for people to see through my life and to know and understand is that while I have a Christian worldview of the way that I do life and see life and the miracles in my life, I would love for people to know and understand that it's not about religion. It's about relationship. And that is, I think, the most important thing that I would love for people to understand because I didn't grow up uh, with a Christian worldview and I didn't grow up in a house of religion per se. But I think what I've learned in my life in my mid-20s when I really was going through the hard stuff was that I was really searching for more. And there's only so much you can tap into in, in, in an earthly way. Like there's only so much that you can get from the world, you know, you have to look beyond that. And there has to be more out there because I believe that we were created for more and that there is so much more beyond what the eye can see. And that's what gets me through some of my hard days is knowing Mm -hmm. that I really don't know how today is going to play out, but if all else fails, 
I know that there are bigger eyes looking after me and my life and helping guide my steps. Stevie always uses the analogy of Indiana Jones and the invisible steps that they had to take, right? And it's so mm-hmm. hard when you look at that analogy and, and apply it to your life. Every day you can imagine that there's this invisible step, step you have to walk out and into. And if you don't, what happens? Like there's that idea, like, well, I could literally fall right now, but it's just p- placing that one foot out there and in front of you and having that belief and understanding that there is more, but it takes courage. It takes risk. And so I would hope that anyone and everyone, which is my actual million community that I have, it's not all Christians. It's, it's not all one specific types of people. It's really beautiful how it's a hodgepodge charcuterie board of all people (laughs) from all walks of life. And I think that's an invitation that God has given me to use for good, to let people into my home and into my heart to share with, because that's currently my real life. Me and Stevie have so many family members who don't even think the way we do or believe the way we do, Vanessa. And I find that to be really beautiful and like God can even use that for good. So I believe we're bridging a gap for our generation, and I would love for anyone and everyone to feel invited into my home, into my heart, and that's why I say I have so many aunties of the world. My daughters are so (laughs) blessed to have so many women who love them, and it's not because of what we believe. It's just because love is universal, and if we can just be an example of God's love, I believe the rest of all the other stuff falls into place for people, so... Yeah. I love that you brought that question up and I hope that I explained it in a way that felt authentic and natural to just who yeah. I am. Well, I think for me, faith in a higher power or God or a religion, it shows you that you are part of a bigger story, mm-hmm. right? And if you have a bigger path for your life or plans, it helps you get through those hard moments that happen, you know, hour to hour in motherhood or in life yeah, to, to know sure. that it's bigger than this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so beautiful how you share just that personal side of you Thank and you. your family with the world. There is also like this other part of the business of Stevie and Cezanne. You share so much, but when it comes to your kids, like they're five and three and, you know, baby right now. Yeah, three as they continue, <laughs> As they you to grow. What's going to help you decide like what to share and what to keep private? I know this is kind of a hot topic right now. Mm-hmm. And even without a million followers are starting to wonder like, you know, is it okay to post photos and videos and stories about our kids on social media? I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, that is such a great question. And I have so many friends that, you know, we, we all talk about this a lot when we have a platform and even a, even if you don't, right? Like even Susan down the street who has maybe a hundred followers. She's just like, how much should I share and how much should I post? So I think it's something that all women and moms specifically navigate because we love our kids. We're the mama bears over their lives. Mm -hmm. And so it's a constant back and forth of trying to discern what do I share and what do I not? For Stevie and I being in this space for a decade now, Mm -hmm. I think what I've learned is that If it was up to me, Vanessa, I would have probably stopped doing this whole social media thing a long time ago. If it was up to my own will, right? If it was up to me, myself, and Stevie, we would have been like, yeah, no, let's, we don't need to do it. Like, we don't care about the followers and the likes. Like, no, like, we have clearly seen that when we've reached those moments while it's been, yeah, we did it. But then it's like, for you to stay in it this long, there has to be a greater reason, right? What we have genuinely felt called to be 
is it's almost like we've been called to a higher self. We have felt that the way that we share our family, our faith, our marriage, it's almost like we have felt that we have to do this. We have mm-hmm. to be an example for this generation and the generation behind us. Let's model what family can look like for people because we are navigating in a time right now where it's hard. You know, you, you just, you don't see a lot of that. You don't see a lot of just real families sharing real life stuff and the beauty that is marriage, the beauty that is children navigating in the midst of like building business. So in a way we feel like we've kind of had to lend our lives to a greater purpose that's outside of us. And so I think for us, we've been able to do in terms of how much we share of our kids is that gift of discernment. That gift of discernment that we've been given, I think that we all have inside of us, is really tuning into your gut, your God-given spirit and saying like, in seasons, what do we share? How do we share them? So there's a lot that we do share where people who meet us in real life, they feel like they literally are a part of our day to day. But what they don't see is that we actually have found a really healthy rhythm for ourselves to where there are certain moments that we know these are ours. These are ours that we're going to cherish. And then there are certain moments that we feel, you know what, this is a moment that I feel like we could share with the world. And I think with Valentina, my oldest, she's in a season right now where I can tell when she doesn't really care to be in stuff and great, you don't have to be in stuff. You know, and then there's times where she's like, mommy, mommy, I want you to do this. Like, let's, you know, I want you to film this. Like, and I'm like, oh my God, you are such a generation alpha here. But like with Amari, my little one, I find those pockets where something nudges me inside. That's like, share this. I can't describe it. It feels like God is orchestrating a lot of this and I have my moments and then I go and share them. And then there's a lot of moments I don't. I never want fear to be the reason I don't share my kids. And that's where I think a lot of women we struggle is because you're afraid, right? Well, you're afraid of all the creepy people out there that are going to see this content. You're afraid of all the what ifs that hang over your head. And what I've had to do is like discern like, okay, is this coming from a place of fear that I feel like I don't want to share it? Is this coming from a place of I feel like I'm being forced or it has to feel very natural or else Mm -hmm. I will not do it. And I've struggled with that. And I've seen what it looks like when I feel like I'm just posting it because I need to post it in previous seasons of my life. And I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to curate something for Instagram. I need to authentically live my life and share it as I live it. And Mm so I just hope that I can encourage other women that if you feel the same way, like take a step back and just use that gift of discernment don't yeah. listen to everybody else. Tune into you, your your God-given gut and decide like what, what can we share that can be empowering and what can we share that can make people laugh? And for us, laughter is that bridge into the good life. So yeah. that's what we do on the day-to-day. <laughs> yeah. I love that you called out the importance of discernment and like recognizing what is fear rooted in because I mean, that applies to like all the decisions we make in motherhood, you know, and through all the ages and stages. And so you just, yeah, you got to trust your gut. Yes. So good. Okay. (laughs) I know we got to wrap up, but just, I keep thinking about all of the photos that I have on my camera roll as I'm like documenting our family and it's your job. So I'm sure you have so many more than I do. And I know our listeners, they care about photos and they care about capturing the story of our family's lives. And sometimes you can 
find ourselves in overwhelm of just so many photos. And Mm -hmm. I just want to know from you, who probably has millions and millions, what do you do to help organize and enjoy all of the photos? Oh my gosh, yes. You know, if you go on my phone right now and you, you you should have started this podcast, start asking everybody, say, how many photos do you have in your right. camera roll right now? Like, well, do you know? Tell me right now. I want to know. 110,000 are in my current, you know, iCloud. Yes. And when you look at that number, you can easily think, whoa, that is a lot of photos and that is a lot of life that has been lived. And in the midst of that, maybe too many selfies. But what I have seen is that today it's almost like, it's bittersweet. And I know you will resonate with me on this. Hello, chat books. But like, (laughs) it's so easy to take a photo on your phone, but what about like actually cherishing photos? And so Mm. I have really started to lean into taking more photos on film and not being able to see them, but like just having photos on trips that we take on film. But then also like, talking about traditions that I want to start in my home, one of those things for me is actually getting the photos and actually like having real tangible memories that I can pass down. Like I want to see the pages of those scrapbooks and those intentional things that I've crafted. I want to see them just get old with time. And I mean that in the best way. I want to see my kids show their kids. My photo album as a baby, I just recently looked at that thing and I said, gosh, this is so amazing. And I've been really, really bad at not doing that for my kids. Well, and that's so why I'm, you need chat books. Exa- and, and, and I want to say way. <laughs> I'm doing it and I'm going to say to any moms, it's never too late to start. Yeah. Just because right. you didn't do it when they were born. Hey, organize the photos in your phone in albums, and then actually take those photos and do something tangible with them. That's my goal in this season. I'm going to do it. And I really believe that the power in printed photos, yeah, they're great to have down, you know, generations to to save and and enjoy generations. But it's the now, like your girls right now, to hold a book of photos of them that has nothing to do with, you know, mommy and daddy's business. <laughs> but this mm-hmm. is just the story of their life. There's so much power in that. And I'm sending you lots of credit. We're going to get you hooked up. You're going to love it. Oh that my gosh. This is like Oprah Winfrey moment. <laughs> credit for you. And <laughs> yay, you get a lot um, Yay. Well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing a bit about what the real good life means to you. Where can people pre-order your book, learn more about what you're up to? Yes. Well, you can pre-order our book right now wherever you get books. So like Amazon, we have we narrated our own audiobook as well. And then Barnes and Nobles, Target. And then if you just go to my Instagram, I'm telling you, S-A-Z-A-N. It doesn't get easier than that. You know nowadays you can just literally click that link in bio and I've got you all set up, girl. So We're all set. You can go all there right. and then obviously just enjoy some uh, content while you're there because we've got lots of just delicious content of just from all of the cozy fall feels currently to my children, real hysterical moments with them. And I hope that you guys will you know, just leave feeling more inspired and feel more connected to your life. That's always my goal. To the real good life. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Vanessa, for having me. Thanks, guys. So, so good. I love how real she is. And I appreciate how open she was about some pretty personal things. If you want to order Cezanne and Stevie's book, The Real Good Life, we'll have a link in our show notes. 
And as always, thanks so much for being here. I mean it. I love this mom force community that we have created. For regular updates on what's happening, follow me over on Instagram at Vanessa Quigley. And if you have a few minutes, would you mind leaving a rating and a review? It helps more people find our content and I would be ever so grateful. Thank you. And until next time. 